What's up, everybody? In today's episode, I want to talk about the top 10 most fantasy-relevant rookies of the 2024 season. Should these players be rostered? What can we expect from them rest of season? And who has the best head of hair? All right, this is hard-hitting stuff. Why don't you stick around and we'll tell you. Let's get to biz. This is Apples and Genos. You are listening to Cream of the Crop. Geno's. I'm your host, Blake Creamer. Please follow me over on Twitter slash X. It's at Blake Creamer AG. Also, check out the Apples and Geno's Discord. We have a link in the description. You click it and you get in there and you talk to over 1,000 fantasy hockey managers. It's a, it's a super time. We're popping off in there. It feels good. Also, Apples and Geno's has a YouTube channel. So you just head over to YouTube, search Apples and Geno's, give us a subscribe. That would really help us out. Okay. Also, I want to take a second and just talk about something else I'm doing really quick here. I got to promote myself. I hate doing it, but I got to do it. All right. Uh, I've joined this new app called Did It. Um, D-I-D-I-T. I'll put the link in the show description here. You can download the app and basically you can talk to me one-on-one. We can do a video chat. I can, uh, you can share your screen through the app. I can do roster reviews. I can talk strategy. We can look at trade targets. I can do waiver wire ads, all that stuff. So hit me up. Uh, first call, you get $25 off. Wow. What a great deal, everybody. All right. That's that's my spiel. All right, it's over now. We got to get the business. We got to talk about what you came here to hear. We're going to talk about the top 10 best rookies. Yeah, this is uh it's been an interesting year for the rookies. I uh we we were definitely excited about this going in. We have so much talent coming in here and it hasn't exactly gone the way that I thought it would go. I thought we would see, you know, maybe some more offensive explosions here, but this league is just so good. You know, these are these are young guys uh, coming into the league, playing against full-grown men, and it's so fast, and, you know, it's it's hard to score points in this league. There's no question. I mean, that's not a hot take. That's just, that's common sense. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's still been a really interesting year. So we have 10 rookies here. I'm not going to spend too much time on each of them, but I basically wanted to go through and just talk about who's fantasy relevant, what you should do with these players, and, and who we should be watching. Okay? All right, let's do it. First one I want to talk about, the fresh maker, Pavel Mityakov. Yeah, it's uh, Minty, the Minty man. Yeah, let's let's take a look at what Pavel Mityakov has been able to do so far this season. Um, yeah, it, first off, I should have a ca- uh, caveat here. Mityakov was injured in the game tonight. I'm recording on, you know, Tuesday night here. So he was injured. So obviously we got to look and see what's going on with Pavel Mityakov there. But... Let's, let's just talk about him anyway. So Pavel Mintikov, uh, on the season, he's he's been doing pretty well. So he's played 40 games. He's on a 39-point pace this season. That That's pretty nice, you know. He's got two goals, 17 assists uh, for 19 points. Let's look at some of the metrics here. What's under the hood with Minty? 
He's 70th overall amongst defensemen in shots and goal per 60. He's 116th overall in individual course C4. Um, then he's 53rd in individual scoring chances for per 60. The numbers are okay, right? Um, but this, this is a player that, that he definitely got a little bit of burn early on in the season. I think we were pleasantly surprised with uh, Mintikov during the first quarter of the year. He was seeing 20 minutes average time on ice, and he was quarterbacking the top power play unit there in Anaheim, surprisingly. Uh, but obviously, as the season wore on, he found himself on power play two, and then sometimes right out of the power play rotation altogether. Uh, especially when the young buck, Jamie Drysdale, uh, returned to the lineup. So... Obviously, the runway's been cleared again. Drysdale's been moved to Philadelphia for Cutter Gauthier, that legend, uh, yeah, Eric Lindros Jr. And I think, uh, for me, before this injury, I think Minty Cobb was a specul- speculative ad moving forward. Um, yeah, he was injured in the game, so we have to look and see what that looks like. But he was getting power play one before he left. He grabbed an assist on that unit as well to Mason McTavish's goal uh, before succumbing to injury. So... I like to believe that whenever he is good to go after this recent injury, that he's going to regain that top power play spot again for the Ducks, and that keeps his floor relatively high. This is a guy that, in you know, in his OHL days with the Saginaw Spirit, he hit for 16 goals one year and 17 goals in the other year. So he's an offensive D-man who definitely has some offensive acumen, and he's looking at me like a young Mikhail Sergachev or, you know, maybe Sergey Light, all right? He's on a 39-point pace, and if his deployment holds, I like him for 40 points. I do like that with reasonable perifs. We just got to wait to see what this injury looks like. But the Drysdale trade definitely benefits Mintyakov. Anaheim, really, they have successfully stocked the cupboards with prospects, and hopefully Coach Greg Cronin is the right one to develop them. As far as should Mintikov be owned or not, I don't think he's a must-roster player by any means, but definitely a watchlist player that could pop under the right circumstances. Now that he's injured, I mean, definitely leave him on the wire until we see what's going on. But, of course, I added him in two spots uh, for this one game. You know, once Drysdale was traded and he gets injured in the first game. So there you go. But it is a player that I I think could look good in Ducks colors for years to come. Let's move on. Uh, The number nine rookie that I want to talk about, Samuel Urson of the Philadelphia Flyers. So... Um, let's talk about Urson. This this guy has been a little bit of a surprise, not someone maybe we were talking about in the preseason, but so far this year, let's take a look at what Sammy has been able to do. This guy has uh, nine wins, five losses, uh, three overtime losses in 17 games, plus two shutouts. So that's pretty dang nice. Uh, goals against average 2.50, oh, save percentage 904, very nice. What's even nicer is 10 quality starts in 17 games. That's excellent. That's really a, a nice spot to be in. Not, I, I wouldn't think that the backup goalie for the Philadelphia Flyers would be a viable fantasy option this season, but here we are. Um, Urson's played his way into the goalie rotation conversation in Philly this year. Crazy stuff. You know, it, didn't, it helped them for sure that Carter Hart has been battling injuries uh, on and off the season and illness. Uh, Urson's been there to hold down the fort, pick up the pieces, and Philly has been a surprising team in some of their metrics that they've been able to accrue here. So just looking at the Flyers in general, they're currently fifth in the league at five on five in uh, shooting four percentage. Shooting four percentage is a percentage of total shots in games that team played that are for that team. So, uh, and Philadelphia is fifth in that metric, which is really nice, right? So they're they're taking 
a lot more shots than their opponents are. They're also 10th in the league in high danger chances against per 60. That's excellent. So that's a decent place to be for a goalie. And Urson's been making the most of it. And he's recently been splitting starts with Carter Hart uh, now that Carter Hart is back. And there was a five-game streak that he had from December 12th to the 21st, basically showing that he can handle the workload while Hart was dealing with an on-again, off-again illness. And while, you know, the story of Urson has been good so far this season, Hart should get the run here in Philly, but we can't overlook uh, Urson's value. And I think he's absolutely viable this season and if Hart continues to be in and out of the lineup Urson has shown that he can be ready when called upon so it's a nice surprise you know this is what zero g is all about you got guys like Urson out there that you can pick up for one game streams or you know maybe for a week where Philly has a good schedule like this one right um, he's a great streamer and we need to watch the rotation here in Philly and be ready to pounce if he starts pulling away from Hart with his starts right and it doesn't look like it's that far-fetched like Hart is healthy now, and they're they're splitting starts to a degree, right? So um, I didn't expect that at the beginning of the year, and yeah, but here we are. So there you go. Sammy Erson, thank you for your service. Um, looking pretty good so far this year. All right, let's move on. We got to talk about Mr. Cool, Logan Cooley. Yeah, um, expectations were high for Cooley, especially after that ridiculous goal he scored in the preseason against the Kings. What the hell? It was a basically, I don't know if you, if you want to see a pretty wicked goal, just Google uh, or YouTube Logan Cooley goal against the Kings or Logan Cooley preseason goal. Basically a spinorama dangling two guys out of their jocks and then he tucks it in. Just a ridiculous goal. But, I mean, the actual returns during the season for Logan Cooley have been lukewarm at best. But there's no doubting the talent of this guy. But let's dig in and see what Cooley's been able to do this season. So... Um, he's on a 40-point pace. That's all right. But what is a little bit surprising is he's only on a six-goal pace. That's that's not really what I expected from Logan Cooley. I thought this might be, you know, a 15-20-goal guy or, or even 20-25-goal based just on his offensive acumen, right? He was being touted as one of the best prospects not in the NHL last year. Uh, so coming in, there was a lot of fanfare, and it hasn't really gone to maybe to plan. He's, he's doing well enough, right? Like, this is a rookie. This is a young guy, so we have to temper expectations. But, yeah, as far as his metrics go, on the season, he's 352nd in shots and goal per 60. Eee. He's 296th in individual Corsi 4 per 60, and he's 329th in individual scoring chances 4 per 60. That show ain't no good, but, I mean, he's a rookie. He's kind of been toiling away on the third line there, and most recently, Logan Cooley's been playing with Dylan Gunther and Nick the Jug Bugster. Dad. Uh, and he's also been a staple on power play too. He has had a couple looks on the top unit throughout the season, but head coach there likes that offensive stud Alex Kerfoot instead. Uh, makes make sense of that? I don't know. Can can someone tell me anything that makes that make sense? I don't know, but uh, that's fine. But like I said, on uh, Cooley's on pace for 40 points, six goals. That's not really the player we saw with the Golden Gophers uh, in his last season there, right? Uh, I mean, this guy's popping off. He's an offensive dynamo. But it's obviously it's so common for rookies to have a low shooting percentage in their first couple of years as they learn sort of how to play in the National League here. I could definitely see Arizona slumping through the second half of the season and Cooley getting a few more minutes and offensive opportunities. To me, the Coyotes are, are a bit on the bubble, right? They're outside of the playoffs right now looking in, but they, they do have some great young talent. They've, they've got some, some good pieces there. Obviously, Connor Ingram is... He's hit or miss. He's been more hit than miss this season, like with a bunch of shutouts and his goal saved above average has been really good, except when it isn't, you know, in these games where he's getting blown out. But as far as like Cooley to me, he's the top young talent that they have on that team. 
So definitely carry on Logan Cooley. He's going to be a decent streamer when Arizona has a good schedule, but I I think he can probably be left on the wire until he starts producing consistently. He's an exciting player, no doubt, but yeah, definitely not a must-own player, but an exciting one. So there you go. 40-point pace, I think that's absolutely reasonable. I could see Cooley, you know, 45-point ceiling probably. His shooting percentage should go up, but he's he's not shooting enough. So there's lots of of issues there. He's going to need some more opportunity. Anywho, let's move on. Number seven, I want to talk about Pyotr Kochetkov. Yeah. Um, this guy is technically a rookie, and he's eligible for the Calder Trophy, so here we are. We're talking about it. But Kochetkov has really settled down the Carolina goaltending situation. Obviously, it was terrible news when Anderson went down with his medical issue that he was dealing with. And then Ranta couldn't stop a beach ball. It's crazy stuff. So um, Kochetkov is there to pick up the pieces. Let's look at what he's been able to do this season. So in 22 games this season, he's got 11 wins, 7 losses, and 3 overtime losses, plus 1 shutout. So that's pretty nice. His numbers are pretty much in line with what he was able to do last season. Uh, Goals against average, 2.50. Save percentage, uh, 0.903. So that's decent. He's got 12 quality starts in 22 games. That's excellent. I love to see that. And his goal saved above average is in the positive, albeit it's, you know, 0.12. But positive is good. Negative is bad for that metric there, right? Like, for those of you that might not know, goal saved above average is basically calculated by looking at the league's average save percentage with the number of shots that a goalie's had. And then looking at the resulting number, it it's the average goals a goalie in whatever league you're evaluating would have let in if they took the same number of shots as the goalie you're evaluating. Does that make sense? Basically, like, even simpler, a positive goal saved above average, like, the higher the number, right, uh, is the number that the goalie has saved compared to the league's average goalie, whereas a negative uh, goal saved above average number would indicate that he's performing worse than a league average goalie. Does that make sense? I bet it does. All right, let's move on. But yeah, in terms of that, like, yeah, he's he's basically performing just above league average, which is fine, right? This guy's a rookie and, um, you know, it, it is what it is. To clear the runway a little bit more for Kochekov in Carolina, Ranta was put on waivers and kind of a surprising move. He has since been called back up, but I, I think it's Kochekov's crease to lose, and I don't see him relinquishing that anytime soon. I think, you know, the only one that's really going to do that is Anderson when, when and if he returns this season. But the fact that Carolina put Ranta on waivers is very telling. If you look at what uh, Kachetkov's done recently, he's, he's rattled off four wins in his last five games, and he started 10 games in the last 12. So to me, this guy's must own. You got to roster Kochetkov at the moment, especially with Carolina's team metrics, right? That, those are what I like to look at when I'm evaluating goalies. And these guys are just picking up where they left off last year. So, um, you know, according to natural stat trick at five on five, Carolina is number one in Corsi four per 60. They're number one in Corsi against per 60. So they, they're putting the most pucks towards the net. They're suppressing the most pucks coming to their net. That's crazy stuff. Um, They're first in shots against per 60. They're number one in scoring chances against per 60. So suppressing scoring chances uh, against. They're number one. And they're third in high danger chances against per 60. So, oh, people can come up with statistics to prove anything, Kent. 40% of all people know that. That's what you call a good goalie environment. And Kochetkov's in there, right? So that's a great place to be. Make sure he's owned in your league. And if, if he keeps this up, I think he could have a legit shot at the Calder Trophy. I mean, is that crazy to say? Like, you know, we're going to talk about Bedard later. We have to, but he's injured, right? 
it, it opens the door up for, for some different options. So Kochetka for the Calder, maybe. Book it. All right, let's move on. We got to talk about uh, Connor Zari. Yeah, this, this, this is a name that comes without any fanfare, really. But, I mean, people in Calgary are sure excited about what they're seeing with Zari. Let's see what, what he's been able to do. So on the season, Zari has 21 points in 31 games. That's good for a 56-point pace, which is really nice. Um, his his on-the-season metrics, they're, they're putrid, actually, to be honest. 445th in shots on goal per 60, 427th in individual Corsi 4, and then 431st in individual scoring chances for. My God, man. Um, <laughs> you know, but... Uh, as far as his on-ice metrics go, he's actually 83rd in the entire league in Corsi 4 per 60, which is pretty nice. Um, so when you got a guy that has these me- terrible metrics, but we're talking about him as a, a player that's doing well, you got to think his shooting percentage is probably pretty damn high as well as his on-ice shooting percentage, right? And that's the case with Connor Zari, right? He's, he's redlining in his luck metrics, which is fine, right? Um, if you look at his last five games, he's got four points in his last five games. Really nice stuff. Um, and, you know, his metrics are, are not great the last five either, but his on-ice metrics in the last five are excellent, right? And um, he's been playing with Nazem Kadri and the Popsicle... Um, Pospisil, I, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's how you say his name. I call him the Popsicle. But yeah, I mean, that line's been cooking. He's 49th overall in Corsi 4 per 60 and 27th overall in scoring chances 4 per 60. So that line's really been going. But yeah, redlining in all the metrics, right? Like Connor Zari is shooting 24.3% on the season. Um, and that really has no chance of sticking, right? Rest of season. This guy is not a volume shooter, but he, he's been extremely efficient. And that's excellent to see. Uh, nice to see from a young player. If you watch a highlight package on this guy, he clearly has a nose for the net. Um, most of his goals are coming from in tight on the power play, like banging rebounds in. He's, you know, he's getting tons of high danger type goals, right? Hence the high shooting percentage. I think for his career, this guy might be able to be a high shooting percentage guy um, with his skill set. And he, right now he's getting the power play time to get it done. Currently with the Flames, he's got a 51% power play share with the big club. And even though he only has four power play points, they obviously like what they see there. And to me, Zari, he's not a must-add by any means, but you got to put this guy on the watch list, right? He's only 3% rostered on Yahoo currently, but, you know... With I could see that number rising throughout the season, and this guy might actually be a viable fantasy option. As for now, stream him in when Calgary has a good schedule. It's been a really nice start to this guy's career, no doubt. Sort of coming out of out of the woodwork here, um, but I'm, I'm happy to see it, and I'm happy for this kid's success. Just don't expect that shooting percentage to stick. All right, let's move on to the top five. We got to talk about these beauties, and I want to talk about. Brock Faber, Brock Jacques Shellac. Yeah. Anybody ever see that um, Bugs Bunny episode? Black Jacques Shellac. That's who. He's like this villain in this saloon in the West. I don't even know what I'm where where am I going with this? I, my, my brain, I don't know. I, I did watch a lot of Bugs Bunny. Did anyone see that episode of, of Bugs Bunny where he he was ca- he was kidnapped by this mad scientist and he was in like a laboratory or something and he knocked over a jar of ether and then Bugs Bunny and the scientists kind of came out of the room, but they were all just wigged out on ether. It was just a bizarre thing. And I remember watching it as a kid, like not really understanding what's going on. I, I don't know. I'm digressing. We're talking about Brock Faber. All right. Not uh, Bugs Bunny's ether binge, but we'll talk about that later. All right. Brock Faber. I'm a big fan of this man. Obviously he started to make, um, a believer of others as well. I think, um, 
I love the opportunity that Brock Faber has. He's only 21, yet he's already played five games with 30-plus minutes time on ice. That's nuts. Um, I don't know that I've seen that before, and and this is a, that's a big vote of confidence for him. Obviously, he has you know the coach's confidence, so I love that right off the bat. That's a simple metric there, but time on ice is crazy and rock solid with this player. His his other metrics leave a little bit to be desired. However, we got to talk about this. Um, you know, in on the season, he's pacing for forty points. That's good. Two goals, seventeen assists so far for nineteen points. But amongst defensemen, 148th overall in shots and goal per 60, 130th in individual course four per 60, and 115th in individual scoring chances for. Those numbers aren't great, right? Like he, throughout the season, it, it hasn't really been, he's just not a volume shooter type of guy. He's obviously, uh, you know, very good defensively, but the offense has not been a, a big staple of his game. But if you look at the last five games, he does have three, three points, uh, all assists in the last five games, and his numbers are a lot better. Um, 16th overall in shots and goal per 60 and 35th overall in individual Corsi 4 per 60. That's nice, right? And then 80, 80th overall in individual scoring chances 4 per 60, but uh, a marked improvement in those metrics. And he's also been like the main benefactor of Jared Spurgeon going down to injury again, right? Um, he was, you know, he's, he was down earlier and Faber got the power play one assignment Spurgeon came back and did take it back for a little while, but now he's out again. So Faber's back on the top power play, and he's actually looking pretty damn good up there. He rocked power play one currently, and uh, most recently played over seven minutes there in the Wilds last game. That's that's awesome, right? So if you add all this up with Faber, you've got two of the three things that I look for in a player. Deployment with the ice time, and then the opportunity with the power play stuff, right? Um, he's basically their top defenseman. Metrics is, uh, is the other thing that I look for when I'm, I'm valuing a player, but they're kind of coming around too, as I said, like in the last five games. So to me, Brock Faber must roster player, especially this week uh, with Minnesota's great schedule and really until Jared Spurgeon returns from injury. We can decide what we want to do with him after that, but he's going to run into some points just by being on the ice, right? And then if Ka- uh, Kaprasov returns sooner rather than later, like his was only a one to two week injury, then to me, Faber's ceiling goes even higher. He's playing power play one with Kaprasov, right? I-, I think that 45 points could be a reality for Faber if he continues on this trajectory. You got to pick this player up, all right? Get some Faber in your life. He's only 36% rostered on Yahoo. That's got to be higher, okay? Let's move on. All right, at number four, I want to talk about his teammate, uh, Marco Rossi. This guy's been great. Uh, It's been a nice story, Marco Rossi, this year. Let's look at what he's been able to do. Currently on a 50-point pace, he's got 24 points in 39 games, 12 goals, 12 assists. Um, Really nice, too. 16 and a half minutes average time on ice on the season, so that's nice. Metrics on the season, shots on goal per 60, 239th. Uh, individual Corsi for 277 and then individual scoring chances for 195. Nothing to write home about. That's those are those are not great numbers for Marco Rossi. But again, we're we're talking about rookies. So having these numbers these low, like it's it's not concerning, right? These guys are trying to figure it out. But what I like about Marco Rossi, and the reason I put him over uh, Faber, is he's getting top line deployment right now with Kaprasov out. He's playing with Boldy and the Zucchini man, Matt Zuccarello. So that's a really nice spot to be. And he's power play one. 
And in the last five games, he's playing just under 19 minutes average time on ice. The metrics in the last five, not looking great. I mean, they're actually worse than his season numbers, so I won't go into those. But um, his on-ice numbers, Corsi 4 per 60, he's 52nd overall in the league. So his line is is certainly putting some pucks at the net. Um, You know, that's going to happen when you play with Matt Boldy. So I'm just a big fan of this player. I think that... When Kaprasov does return, it gets a little murkier for Rossi, but Coach Hines has shown confidence in Rossi, and he's probably going to get the top six deployment regardless there. I think his spot on power play one might go away when Kaprasov gets back, and that's definitely going to lower his ceiling a little bit. And as I said, right now he's on pace for 50. I do think that's absolutely reasonable for this player, and it's great to see. Um, certainly, as uh, you know, knowing what Rossi's been through over the last few years here with the long COVID symptoms and the recovery and um, his career definitely appears to be back on track. This is a nice looking player and the wild are really going to need his contributions, especially now with Kaprasov out. But even when Kaprasov comes back, like the wild are up against the cap here and they won't be able to bring in any reinforcements. And that really, that right there kind of keeps Rossi's floor solid to me. Like they need him and they're, they're going to give him all the opportunities that he needs. And I, I think that 50 points is absolutely reasonable for this player. And I think he's not must roster at this point, maybe certainly this week because of the schedule and everything that's going on there. But once Kaprasov comes back, I think he'll probably go back to streamer level player that you need to pick up when Minnesota has a good schedule. Okay. All right, let's get into the top three rookies. At number three, we got to talk about Adam Fantilli of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Is it Fantilli season in Columbus? Maybe. All right, with all the injuries they have, Fantilli uh, is occasionally getting the 20-minute treatment, and I love that. And he's doing everything that he can besides producing consistently. Um, But let's dig into what he's been able to do. On the season, Fantilli is pacing for 47 points, which is which is pretty nice. Uh, it's a little lower than I than I expected, but Columbus has so many injuries and the, the coaching change, just everything that's gone on in Columbus this year has kind of been icky, and you know I, that's got to affect the young player, right? But anyways, he's got 11 goals, 13 assists for 24 points in 42 games. Not too shabby. Uh, metrics on the season, pretty damn good. Shots and goal per 60 rank, 72nd overall. Individual Corsi for 36 overall and 85th overall in individual scoring chances for. So that right there, that's what we want to see, um, especially from a young player like this. Damn, um, these, these are excellent numbers, right? He just needs more deployment. And Pascal Vincent uh, has really not been doing the thing here. Like it's been frustrating to watch this man coach the Columbus Blue Jackets this season. He's making a lot of decisions that don't make a lot of sense you know, from the outside looking in. So I don't know. Um, You know, I'm just a guy in my basement doing a podcast. So what the hell do I know? But, you know, basically the Columbus Blue Jackets are are playing for a draft pick at the halfway point of the season already. I don't see why he doesn't give Fantilli all the opportunity he can handle. Um, You know, Fantilli is far from a staple on the top power play unit, if there even is one in Columbus at this point. Like, you know, he's he's getting some uh, some run with John Gaudreau, which is really nice, but Gaudreau's being minimized as well. His whole line sort of is. So I don't know. I don't know what to think with Fantilli. I'm hoping that for the second half of the season, like they, they just trot him out there for 18 to 20 minutes a night and let this kid get the biz. Let's see what he can do because he's he's shown so far that he's a shot monster. He's he's got a great offensive instincts and he he's he's big too. He, he's he's physical. He's he looks good out there. So 
He's got a good head on his shoulders, and if given the chance, I could see 60 points for Fantilli. Um, that said, as things are, I think 45 to 50 points is more likely, but the ceiling is there. He's just going to be a fun player to watch for years. I think this guy could be a legit star in this league in the next couple years um, as soon as they fire uh, their head coach there in Columbus. Can I get a heck yeah? I'm talking to myself right now. All right, that's fine. Shout out to Adam Fantilli. Shout out to Pascal Vincent. I'm saying Vincent. Vincent? Oh, God, I don't know. All right, let's move on. Number two is going to be Luke Hughes. I love this player. I'm such a huge fan of Luke Hughes. And, you know, he's really been doing the thing this season. Like, if we dig into what Luke Hughes has been able to do, he's on a 50-point pace this season as a defenseman, which is great for a defenseman that's not a rookie, right? This guy's on a 50-point pace. Seven goals already, 16 assists for 23 points. Um, He's on a 15-goal pace. That's excellent. And then when you dig into his numbers, they're solid. Um, amongst defensemen, shots on goal per 60, he's 89th overall in the league, so he could definitely shoot a little bit more, but everything else is looking great. He's, he's 27th overall in individual Corsi 4 per 60. He's 23rd overall in individual scoring chances for, and then he's looking even better uh, on the on-ice metrics here. So 9th overall in Corsi 4 per 60 and 7th overall in scoring chances 4 per 60. So he's driving a lot of offense when he's on the ice there. Uh, IPP is 41%, which is decent. Um, you know, especially for defensemen, I think he might have a little headroom there, but, uh, shooting percentage, 12.3% on ice shooting percentage, 12.2, yada, yada, yada. You get the drill. But, um, I think that Luke Hughes is, is really a budding star here. And one thing I didn't expect going into the season was that he would take power play one from Doug, Dougie Hamilton. It, it still doesn't make sense to me, but obviously we're looking at a, a pretty poised young player here in Luke Hughes. He can obviously handle it and has major chemistry with his brother Jack, so that's that's just built in. That's really nice. And Luke Hughes has been on a little bit of a hot streak here lately, like six points in his last five games, two goals, four assists. Um, and over that time, too, he's 11th amongst all defensemen in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60. So he's really kind of showing out and... He's stepping up for the Devils at the right time. Unfortunately, it's not equaling a bunch of wins. The Devils are struggling currently. Uh, They're out of a playoff spot, which I did not expect to say at this point of the year. But look at the injuries they have there. It's it's been crazy stuff. That all said, I think Luke Hughes is probably, if he continues like this, that's probably your Calder winner moving forward on the season if Bedard is out for any significant amount of time, right? I, I do think Bedard should be a lock for this. Uh, and I'll talk about him in a second here, but Luke Hughes has put together a really nice season and the fact that he's getting power play one deployment and lots of it. And now that Dougie Hamilton is out as well, like no one is coming for Luke Hughes minutes. I don't think Simone Nemich is a threat to his power play time at all. So yeah, roll with Luke Hughes. This guy's obviously must roster. Um, you know, he's 77% rostered on Yahoo, but that should be much higher. This guy should be on everybody's roster. New Jersey's power play is going to be better, but obviously they need some people to come back from injury. And they had some good news with Jack Hughes. Like it's not as serious as expected. So, you know, he'll be back in weeks, not months, according to Lindy Ruff. So that's good news. But shout out to Luke Hughes. I think he's probably your Calder winner if Bedard misses a bunch of time. And that's going to bring us to Connor Bedard. All right. Obviously, Bedard is currently on the injured reserve with a fractured jaw. You know, he took a hit from Brendan Smith there. 
So it's, it's just unfortunate, right? They, they haven't really given us a timeline on Bedard, but I mean, Boone Jenner broke his jaw, right? And just think of the force that it takes to break that jaw. To break Boone Jenner's jaw, I mean, you know, he's basically like the Chuck Norris of the NHL, right? So I don't know. It's It defies everything, right? Anyways, I'm, anytime I get a chance to talk about Boone Jenner, I have to. I'm sorry, everybody. But yeah, I mean, looking at Boone Jenner's timeline, it could be six weeks before we see Bedard back on the ice. So, you know, that's that's going to obviously make a dent in his fantasy production here. But I think we can all agree this guy's come as advertised. He's a generational talent. He looks amazing out there. Um, unfortunately, he's landed in the worst possible spot for fantasy production, right? This is He's got no one to play with. He's got Nick Foligno on, his, on the top line with him. It's just nuts. Um, so things have, have gone from bad to worse there in Chicago with all their injuries and, you know, Taylor Hall and then the Corey Perry business and everything else. But Bedard's still been doing it. He, he looked good out there prior to the injury. So he's been putting up extremely impressive numbers this season. Let's take a look at what Bedard's been able to do. So on the season, he's on a 69 point pace. Nice. Very nice. Um, yeah, 15 goals, 18 assists. I love that. 32 goal pace. And he's playing just over 19 minutes average time on ice. That's great. That's kind of what I think we were all hoping for with Connor Bedard, that they would really kind of lean into him and give him that ice time. So I love to see that he's getting 19 minutes. That's that's exactly what we wanted to see. As far as the metrics go, he's 68th overall in the league in shots and goal per 60, 71st in individual course for per 60, and 47th in individual scoring chances for the team metric. The on ice metrics are, are terrible, but that's because his team is terrible. His IPPs, you know, sky high 80%, which makes sense because he's going to be driving all the offense for that team. Shooting percentage 12.7, very reasonable for, for a young player like that. And on ice shooting percentage is 10.5. So that it makes sense for the team he's on, right? So to me, 70 points for Connor Bedard. That would be that that's probably best case scenario really for this team and what's happened with that team. So it's crazy to me that this this kid's 18, but he just he he just really has a lot of poise out there and he he seems like an old soul out there. I'm I'm a big fan of Connor Bedard. Obviously, that's you know <laughs> one thing that's been interesting about Bedard, uh, when he does get back, like he only has one goal on the power play. He hasn't been cooking there, which is which is a bit strange, right? Um, but again, like look who he's playing with out there. That said, I, I don't think when he does come back, like his his conversion on the power play is going to go way up. I can see Connor Bedard hitting 30 goals um, pretty easily. He's on pace for 32. I think 35 is reasonable, and I think 70 to 75 points is reasonable for Bedard. That pace, anyway, when he does get back, this, you know, this injury is unfortunate. It's going to maybe keep him out of the All-Star game as well, which is really interesting. Um, but yeah, it, it's obviously he's a top rookie to own there and he's, he's been great this season. So I wish him all the best and get back on the ice soon, my man. But that's it. I just wanted to pop out a quick little episode here next week. I will be doing our buy low and sell high show, looking at uh, the players that I talked about last week. Um, but things are, things are going well. I've, I've been writing some articles for Dauber hockey here. So definitely check me out over there as well. I post them to my Twitter account. If you're interested in reading those, definitely check that out. I should shout out uh, Dauber Hockey as well. They're releasing their mid-season uh, fantasy hockey guide. These these guys are great. Um, I, I use them. I read them all the time. We've got some amazing writers over there. So shout out to everybody over at Dauber Hockey. Just crushing it right now. 
But that's it, everybody. Again, I do want to remind you, you can you can hit me up on Did It and uh, chat with me one-on-one. -on -one. I can help you with your teams, trades, all that business. Hit me up. Come on. This is my joy. You want to give me joy, don't you? Yeah, I'm sure you do. All right. So that is it, everybody. I really appreciate you listening uh, to this short little episode. Stick around uh, this week. We've got the regular the rotation happening here. Going to have rolling lines here tomorrow. And Nate and I will do the waiver show released on Saturday. All right. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Talk to you soon. Celebrate your day. Bye for now. Not even so much music. Is that right?